Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Now, Hebrews 11 had a lot to say about faith. We called it the Hall of Fame of Faith, and we learned that without faith, it's impossible to please God. We had a definition of faith. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then we had a whole litany of individuals, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the different ones, Joseph, Moses, and so forth, who were examples of faith. And then we approach now chapter 12, which begins with the word, therefore. In other words, because of all these people who believed God without any evidence, uh, we need to consider them. And then, therefore, using them as an example, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart." In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed." Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, When he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, 
or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further words would be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. Even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words, once more, indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In verse 1 we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, our assumption is this great cloud of witnesses includes the litany of individuals that were mentioned in chapter 11. And it says that we are currently surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Witnesses implies that they are looking on to uh, events taking place on the earth on some level. And the fact that we're surrounded by them means that they are uh, not in some great distant place far away from us, but somehow they're very near to us. Obviously, we don't perceive them. We can't see them. But the Lord is not bound by our dimensions. The witnesses, those who have gone before us, may be literally right before us, and we can't perceive them because they're not part of our dimensional experience. We're not able to perceive them through our natural senses. But the writer of Hebrews says we're surrounded by these individuals. And he says, therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The implication, of course, is that they ran with perseverance the race that had been marked out for them that the things they accomplished had been preordained for them to walk in, and uh, they chose to do so, and they, they were successful in the races that were laid out for them. In the same way, you and I are to run the races that the Lord has planned for us. And it talks about sin that so easily entangles. This is the idea of someone running a foot race and um, a garment being tangled around their feet. You know, we're running with perseverance. We, we get rid of the hindrance so that our legs can be unbound and we're able to run. The imagery is of an athletic competition where we can run unhindered and finish the race that's been marked out for us. And so while we're running this race of life, our loved ones who have gone before us in the Lord are there looking on with the great cloud of witnesses, perhaps fathers, mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, back down through the generations, all those who are with Christ have a vested interest in you, my friend, and the race that you're running in this life. On some level, there's an awareness there. We don't know whether it's a moment-by-moment -moment awareness or they're 
watching the heavenly video screen from time to time. We don't know what it is that they're seeing in real time, but the Bible says that these witnesses are surrounding us, and they are, in fact, witnesses of the things that are taking place on the earth, as well as witnesses of Jesus Christ and their relationship with Jesus. So sometimes when you're feeling um, perhaps you can't make it, remember that there are those looking on who have a vested interest in you running with perseverance, and they ran their race with perseverance. How can we do any less? And so he gives us a key of how to do this. In verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this right hand of the throne of God, once again, is a reference to the Psalm 110 prophecy that the Messiah would do that. But it says that while we're running this race, we fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, in other words, he had his eyes fixed on something, he was able to endure the cross. And so Jesus was focused on something. We're supposed to be focused on Jesus. What was the joy set before Jesus? What was Jesus looking at that made it possible for him to endure the cross and the shame of the cross and all of the scourging and rejection and so forth that he had to deal with? My friends, the the joy set before Jesus was not mountains on a hilltop or mansions on a hilltop. It was not streets of gold. It was not crowns. It was not rewards. It was not planets or solar systems. It was none of that. It was you and me. The joy set before Jesus was you and me. The joy set before Jesus was the fact that there would be a people who would come to know God through him and be able to be with him forever, his bride in the earth. The joy set before Jesus was the bride of Christ, that called-out company of men and women from the earth who choose to be with Jesus, who receive the invitation of heaven and run their race in such a way as they end up at the finish line, the throne of glory, the throne of Jesus Christ. It then goes through a couple of words on correction, saying that the Lord disciplines those he loves, he chastens everyone he accepts. And uh, the writer instructs us that we should endure these things because we're children of God. If we're not disciplined by God, then we're not legitimate children. He also says we're now citizens of New Jerusalem in heaven. The writer says in verse 22, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Notice you have come. It's not something you will do. You've already done it. You've come to thousands and thousands of angels in joyful assembly. We've already done that. You've come to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. If you know Jesus, that's you. You've come to God, the judge of the spirits of all mankind, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Friends, positionally, we've already come to this place because of Jesus. We've already received the benefit of the salvation that was promised in Jesus' blood. Because of our faith in Jesus, remember the Hall of Fame of Faith, chapter 11, because we believe the promises contained in Jesus Christ, we've already come to the angelic realm and to the throne of God. We already have a place there. You see, our God is a devouring fire, but He loves us. We need to be thankful and worship God with reverence and awe and love Him But we need to be aware that he's called us as sons and daughters in the earth. Lord, we pray that we would be able to run the race that you've marked out for each of us. Lord Jesus, may we set our eyes on you 
as the joy that's set before us. You, Lord, are the focus of time and eternity. Not mansions, not streets of gold, but you. Being with you is the object of our lives. And Lord, just as we were the the joy that was set before you, may you constantly be the joy set before us. Jesus, fill up our eyes and our imagination and our hearts with love for you and for your people now. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.